So dangerous pursuit, 20 days of prayer and fasting. Are you guys ready for this? We are kicking it off today. We are pumped to do it. Um, we have weekend services that will be tying into that theme. We kicked it off a little bit last week and talked about Jesus in the temple. Um, this idea that pursuing Jesus is dangerous. Um, and we've got weekend services. We've got soul workouts ready to go. So you can text PRAY to that number. And today you'll start with those soul workouts. Um, will happen. Uh, they'll be coming this afternoon. Um, excited about that. If you don't know what a soul workout is, it's basically a daily um, kind of like guide for your time with God. It helps you kind of dig into the topic, dig into what we're talking about, and really do your own work around what you've got going on in your life. And so they're really kind of open-ended in the way that they're written, and it's exciting to be able to do that with you guys. I know many of you have already signed up for those. And then the warehouse is going to be open um, at 6.30 in the morning um, this week, so Monday through Friday, it'll be open at 6.30. If you'd like to come out and pray at the warehouse, um, I'm going to challenge you to do that. And I, I think it's interesting what happens when we do something different and we shake up our schedule, we shake up our routine, and we change our location, we change the space we're in, we change the time that we're in. I don't know if somebody got a time machine. That sounded like a time machine thing. But, you know, you change the time that you do the thing, right? Um, it just does something in our hearts, and it does something in our relationship with God. So um, get ready for this. If you open it up and you look on the, actually, you don't have to open it up, on the back, um, there's some things that we're going to, some declarations that I want to challenge you to make today as we embark on this 20-day pursuit. And the first thing that I want you to be praying about and thinking about is I want you to think about a specific breakthrough that you're going to pray and fast for during these 20 days. Something in your life that you need God to break through on. Now, I'm going to tell you right now, you could say like, hey, I'm good, but, I, but I'm going to tell you to just do a little more digging because every single one of us has a spot in our life where we need God to break through. And, and mine's going to be different than yours, and yours is going to be different than the person next to you. But if you really think about it, man, it, maybe it's something that's um, health-related, maybe it's faith-related, maybe it's something that's relational, maybe it's work or school-related, maybe it's family-related. I don't know what it is. Maybe it's financial stuff. I don't know what it is for you, but I'm telling you that there's something in our lives that we need God to break through on. And I believe that he can begin to break through or completely break through over these 20 days. And I want you to write that down. That's the first thing on that page is to write that down. And I don't care if you keep this, but man, writing it down, even this morning, it changes it. Somehow when we write something down, it gets us out of our head. It makes it more real. And man, I th I'm going to challenge you to journal. And then during these 20 days, just write that thing down. Circle that every day. And just pray for that. Um, the second thing is to say, I'm going to set apart a time and a place to meet with God. And look at there. There's a place for you to write down the time and the place that you're going to meet with God. And then underneath that, there's just so happens to be somebody knew what they were doing, put 20 boxes for you to check that off. And you get that for you visual people where you're like, yeah, I want to check it off. And it's like, gets to be like 1130 at night and you're like, oh no, I forgot. And you got to like go get it done because you don't want to not have an unchecked box. And there's a few of us in there, right? And then I want to challenge you to do this. I want you to challenge to choose something to sacrifice every day, all 20 days. So it might be chocolate, it might be Starbucks, it might be gummy bears, it might be chocolate, Starbucks, and gummy bears. Like it could be it all. It could be sugar. It could be whatever you desire. But the key word 
Like if it's donuts, right? If you have a donut once a week, that's not a sacrifice, all right? But if you have a donut for every meal and you, have to, you say, I'm going to give up donuts, then it's a big deal, right? If there's anyone in the room that's doing that, talk to me later. We need to talk. That's not okay. Um, I do love donuts, though. So, the, uh, so I want you to sacrifice. The key word is sacrifice something. And then the last thing is to choose to fast one day per week and then look at there. You can sit there and you can look at your calendar and say, this is day one, what day I'm going to do it, day two, day three. Now, if you're able to, if you're able to fast, awesome. But if you have um, challenges, health challenges, or any other challenges that you have that, you, that doesn't allow you to do that, fair. It's okay. I'm not freaking out. It might be a cleanse. It might be juice. It might be water. It might be just not eating food. It might be a meal. It might be snacks. I'm just saying to fast something so that you can just be able to like press into God. When we feel hungry, what it does is it reminds us of our humanity, doesn't it? It's like, man, I can't even go like three hours without eating something. But when we, when we realize and we power through that and we say, God, okay, it's not about me. It's not about what I want right now, but it's about what you want. And Lord, I'm praying for this breakthrough. I really want to see that happen. And I'm going without food in order to do that. So as long as, it, now here's the thing. Um, maybe some of you are going to get sneaky and you're going to like eat dinner tonight and you're going to fast till dinner tomorrow. You're going to be like 24 hours, you know, I did it. But you ate both days. I don't care. Like, get as sneaky as you want. But if the thing is, is if, if you're like, you know what, there's no, nothing challenging me to fast, but Joe said I don't have to do it, so I'm just going to maybe do a meal here, here or there, you're not okay. All right, John Ruby? Like, you need to, like, I'm just messing with you, man. So I, I want you to think about it because the idea is to position ourselves differently for this pursuit. And, and so if there's no challenges that you have, there's no reason why you can't do it, then I'm going to challenge you to do it and to see what God does in your life. Because here's the reason why. What do we know? Jesus said this. There's some issues in our life that have to be team tackled. Now, he didn't say it that way. But they have to be team tackled. He said, like, to the disciples, he said, this, this, is, this is an issue, this is a problem that only is beaten through prayer and fasting. And so the team is you, prayer, and fasting. If you could have beat it, if you could have resolved it, if you could have won over it, on your own, why hasn't it happened? It could be, it could be what Jesus said is true. That some issues, some struggles, some breakthroughs only come through prayer and fasting. And so we believe that over these next 20 days, God can do something huge. Are you guys believing that? All right. The three of us are going to go for it. It's all good. Are you guys sleepy or are you guys hungry? Are you guys already starting your fast? Are you guys good? I want you to, um, I want you to keep, why did I, like some of us, like if you're here for the first time, like, wow, this guy, he's like going for it right from the beginning. He's telling me to fast. He's telling me like get a breakthrough. Whoa. Why, why did I ask you to and point this out now? It's because I want you to take the time that we have today to really have this on your mind and to be praying about this, thinking about this, allowing God to stir something in your heart that's going to make this 20 days um, meaningful to you and to really see breakthrough happen in your life. And so this is going to be different for you to fill out um, to, uh, compared to me or the person next to you. Um, but I wanted to highlight it because I think sometimes we're just, we just don't slow down long enough to really do that kind of work, right? 
We don't slow down. And, and I think a lot of times I've found with our students on Wednesdays as well as um, adults in my own personal life, sometimes I just want someone to tell me to take a nap. Anybody there? Like, hey, can you just slow down, take a deep breath, and chill? I want someone to tell me that because if left to my own devices, like all I do is just go, 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 go. And I was praying about this weekend, and I was thinking about, okay, we've got 20 days, like this runway of 20 days. And, man, I really believe that we are going to look, feel different in 20 days than we do right now. And, and I believe that God's going to do something special in every single one of our lives as we give that 20 days to him and pursue him in a dangerous way. And, and I thought, okay, and, and I'm, I'm a little bit, I get bored easily. So I get bored with the format of like what we do. And, and so I was like, well, I don't know. Like it seems, it seems not the way I want to do it in the way that is going to be meaningful to me and to us if we just power through the service like we normally do, right? It's like, all right, check. We got the first song off. I didn't really, I just needed to get my coffee during that guy. And then like the greeting time, always awkward. And now Joe rambles about announcements. Hopefully I remember one of them. And then, you know, it's like, and, and you just get through that, that routine. And sometimes it's important for us to, to change the routine, right? We learned last week that the temple is a place, if you're going to follow Jesus into the temple, it's a dangerous place to follow him into because he's going to make a scene, right? And kicking tables is, is awesome. Kicking, flipping tables is a lot of fun. And sorry if I made it more about flipping tables last week than about prayer um, because it was about the reason why he flipped the tables is because his people weren't praying. And he knew that prayer is really what changes our hearts, our minds, our, and our souls. So all that kind of goes together into what something that kind of reminded me of something we did like 20, 25 years ago. Um, Sarah and I were leading a college ministry at our church. And we created this thing that we simply, and it was the same thing back then. Um, we just didn't have social media back then. But it, we were still just busy and going crazy and all that stuff. And we created this thing called the five-minute meltdown. And it, what it did is just like a time for us just to chill for five minutes to just allow God to like soften our heart and get our minds and our, and our focus in the right spot. Because you've all walked in with different stuff. I walked in with stuff. I've been rushing here, rushing there. I don't know where you're going today and what's, what your plans are today, this week. You got a lot. Some of you have had like a really insane week at work. And, and it, this is just a, a few moments for us to just chill, sit back, and allow God to do a thing in our hearts. So how this works is um, I, I selected a song. Um, you probably don't know it, um, but it's a song. It's about five minutes long. And what you can do during this time is whatever you want to do. You want to go to sleep, this is your nap time. All right? If you want to get up and walk around, do that and pray. If you want to um, open up to your Bibles to Matthew 26, um, that's in your news and events as well. But Matthew 26, verses 36 through 46 is where we're going to be in our, in our text for today. You might want to read through that during the next few minutes. You might want to just close your eyes and listen to the words. You might want to read the words that are going to be on the screen. I don't know what you want to do during the next, these next few minutes, but they're yours to have between you and God, you and your heart, you and your thoughts, and to sit and just be quiet. And so um, we're going to do that right now, and this is what we call the five-minute meltdown, and let's just let God do his thing. So here we go.
your kindness and your patience that bring me to my knees that bring me to my knees it's your glory and your goodness that bring me to my knees you bring me to my knees
So Matthew 26, verse 36 and following says this, Then Jesus went with his disciples to a place called Gethsemane, and he said to them, Sit there while I go over there and pray. Sit here and while I go over there and pray. He took Peter and the two sons of Zebedee along with him, and he began to be sorrowful and troubled. And then he said to them, My soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch with me. Going a little farther, he fell with his face to the ground, and he prayed, My father, if it is possible for this cup to be taken from me, May this cup be taken from me, yet not as I will, but as you will. Verse 40. Then he returned to his disciples and found them sleeping. Couldn't you men keep watch with me for one hour? He asked Peter. Watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. He went away a second time and he prayed, My father, if it is not possible for this cup to be taken away unless I drink it, may your will be done. When he came back, he again found them sleeping because their eyes were heavy. So he left them and went away once more and prayed the third time, saying the same thing. And then he returned to the disciples and said to them, Are you still sleeping and resting? Look, the hour has come, and the Son of Man is delivered into the hands of sinners. Rise, let us go. Here comes my betrayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you, God, for your word, and we thank you for Matthew 26. Thank you for some time to just allow you to speak to us. Lord, we just ask right now that as we go over this text today, Lord, that we would see in it and you would speak to us exactly what we need to adjust, to to be awakened, Lord God, to pursue you these 20 days. Lord, we thank you for your example. We thank you for what you're doing in our lives. We give this moment to you. In Jesus' name we pray. So maybe you've heard um, this passage before, and, and it's a common passage. You've heard things about it. Um, I just want to walk us through a few things about it that are very interesting to me. I think when you see this, you see that this is um, occurring after the Last Supper, after Jesus is really kind of like um, really ended his earthly ministry for all practical purposes, except for the, 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 the holy week of the going to the cross. And so as he is there, he has done miracles. And he's, he's seen people raised from the dead, and he's seen blind people seeing, and he's done all these miracles and, and amazing power of God that has flowed. And, and as he does that, he faces one of his darkest hours when he's going to be betrayed by Judas. And after all, he, he, he doesn't turn to his friends. I mean, he asks his friends. He asks the disciples to, to, to pray with him. But they're, they're useless, right, because they just keep falling asleep. And, and he's, he goes, and he could have done a lot of things. He could have done a lot of things. He had done a lot of things. But what he chooses to do at his darkest hour, when things are really the most difficult, and he has the most amount of emotion that he's feeling, and the most challenge in his life, he chooses to go and pray, to meet with God, and to get alone with God. Now, I don't know about you, but have any of you ever been caught doing something? Pretty much all of us, right? Now, you're all laughing and smiling because of whatever you got caught with. I'm not, we're not going to open mic, everyone share. No, we're not going to do that. But Jesus, Jesus got caught. And he got caught praying. 
Judas shows up on the scene, and he, that's how they catch him. They catch him in the garden. They catch him there. If you're going to follow Jesus into the garden, just like you f- follow Jesus into the temple, if you follow Jesus in the garden, guess what? It's a dangerous place to be because the opposition is coming. Maybe you're feeling opposition. Maybe it's people, maybe it's things, it's situations. Maybe you have a betrayer in a, in a situation or a person, God forbid. But, you know, this is where we might be. And where are you? Are you planning? Are you reaching out and talking to your friends and trying to strategize, develop a plan, figure out how to, how to get, this, get through this, how to solve the problem? Is that what you're doing? Or are you in your darkest hour? No, you're, you're going and you're finding a spot. You're finding a separate place. When Jesus said in the temple, my house is a house of prayer, and he quoted Isaiah, he really was describing a place set apart to earnestly seek God. That's what he was referring to. And so Jesus knew that that's what he needed to do. He needed to set set aside a place and a time to earnestly seek God, and that's what he did. He could have done a lot of things. He could have done a lot of things, but that's what he chose to do. It's so fascinating to me that in our own efforts, in our own desires, left to our own um, devices, we go through all the other things that we'll try to do, and then we come back to, well, I guess I should pray about it too. But Jesus prioritizes it and says, this is where it's at. So we see that, and we see that in our darkest moment, we need to establish that, you know what, the place where we're going to go is to be in prayer and meet with God. And Jesus knew in the temple, he threw the tables, he threw the people out because he knew that the power of prayer to shape our soul, to shape who we are, he knew that. And so Jesus relies on that very thing that he said is important and he relies on that in his darkest hour. Uh, I, I think that that's all good, and maybe you've heard, you know, like uh, all this other stuff through this passage if you've been around church where it's like, you know what, like aren't we all, we're all just, we all would have slept too. You know, we like to think that we would have been praying with Jesus because, well, it's Jesus. All of that stuff. But there's something that I want to really po- focus on, and I got to do it so that you guys wake up and can, can pay attention, all right? You guys good with, good with this? So I'm bringing back the whiteboard. I'm bringing back the whiteboard. So I know some of you are excited. Some of you are like, why, why? But it's new and improved. It's bigger, and it's on wheels. So we're going to roll on in over here. Um, Just so you know, those are the cheap seats. You're not going to see very well, all right? Um, But it is on rollers, so I could turn it. It's all good. So I want to unpack a little bit about what's going on. What does Jesus say to his disciples right away in the very beginning of that passage? He says that he is overwhelmed with sorrow. And then he goes in and he prays and he asks the Father to take away this assignment from him. So there's something that I'm going to write on here, and this is something that probably nobody ever, nobody knows about or feels. But Jesus is feeling something that, if you don't know, is called pressure. All right? Has anybody ever felt pressure before, right? So Jesus is feeling pressure. He knows where he's going. He knows what his assignment is, and he knows that he's going to be separated from the Father, and he knows that he's going to feel the weight of all of the sin of the world on him on the cross. I would, you would have prayed that that would not be a thing too, right? So he feels that pressure, and the pressure is just like, it's just coming down, man, and it's just coming down. 
And that pressure causes some things to happen. And one of those things, now I'm going to ask a question, and this is how we're going to play it. I'm going to ask it and everyone's just going to raise their hand because it's not awkward that way, okay? So does anybody ever have trouble with kind of like allowing their their emotions to like lead them and control them? Anybody have that trouble? Like, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, thank you. We're all in that same boat, aren't we? So what do we know that is happening? There is this like pressure that is created on Jesus and he is feeling some crazy emotion. He says that he's overwhelmed with sorrow. This is deep sorrow, right? This is not like, oh, yeah, you know what? This is going to be a tough thing. He is feeling the pressure on him, and he is sad, deeply, deeply sad. But there's something else, and, and I think that this is important to note, because what we see happen in the garden, if you choose to follow him there, what ends up happening is that his emotions are, he is able to process them. He's able to allow God to shape them, to kind of like understand them better and where they should be. The world will tell you right now, psychologists say, you know what, your, your emotions, your feelings, you can't control those. What, you know what, that, here's the thing, Jesus didn't say that. The world will make you think that whatever you feel, you have to do. But you got to know that there's something deeper inside you, more core to you than your emotions. And Jesus prayed about it because he knew that there was something deeper than his sorrow that he had to tap into in order to get to the cross. Do you know what that was? It was his will. It's the, it's the deepest part of you that is all about choosing right or choosing wrong. It comes down to that binary question, that binary choice. It's like literally, am I going to eat the apple or the unidentified Old Testament fruit or not? Like, I don't know what I'm going to do with this. I don't know what I'm going to do. Should I go there or should I not? Should I say this or should I not? Should I ignore this situation or should I not? Right? This is sin throws down that trade-off all the time and tries to get to fool you into choosing the wrong thing. Because why? Because my body wants the donut. Because my emotions, I've been so sad, I'm going to, I'm going to numb that with the donut. But your will can rise up and say, I don't need the donut. But our will is so weak because we've just allowed the culture and our desires to shape our will. So we go with our desires. Your will is Velcroed, and your emotions are Velcroed to your desires. So if your desires are to just go live it up and to live however you want, well, that's what your will is going to follow and do. That's where your emotions are going to be energized around. Are you guys guys tracking? So Jesus is feeling this pressure on his emotions. He's feeling the deep sorrow, and he's feeling the pressure on his will. And what does he say? He processes that with the Father. And he says, if it's possible, please take this away. And guess what God says? He goes back to a second time, checks his friends. Like, these are, these, anybody have friends like this? They're always sleeping when you need them. Like, come on, let's go. Elbow the person next to you, like, stop sleeping on me. 
But the thing is, is that he goes back to his friends and he comes back to that spot and he does what? He, he creates a whole new prayer to maybe convince God. No, he prays the same prayer the second time. Goes back to his friends. What are they doing? They're being lame, right? And so what does he do? He goes back and what does he do? A third time. He doesn't create a new prayer. He prays the same time. Scripture says that. He prays the same thing a third time. Every single time. What does God say to him? Nothing. Everybody, anybody feel like God doesn't answer my prayers? You and Jesus, it's dangerous, man, in the garden. Because Jesus didn't get an answer. Why? Because he knew. I think sometimes we do too. We know. We're just kind of checking. Do I really have to? Do I really have to? Because if I don't have to, I really prefer that. And that's what Jesus is saying. He says, you know what? My will is being crushed right now, and I don't want to do this, but not my will, your will. What happens in the garden is very interesting. Not only is he able to process his emotions, but he's also able to allow God to shape his will. Now, in this case, you know, we're seeing that he, he is surrendering, right? He is surrendering. He is crying out to God and saying, Father, I trust you, like the song said that we just listened to. I trust you. Father, I trust you. You can process your emotions with your friends. They're probably going to fall asleep. You can try to, like, have willpower. But the place where all of that gets shaped correctly is with God. It's in the garden or wherever you choose to spend your time with God. It's where God shapes your emotions and he shapes your will. If you choose to not do it, and you've, here's what I can do, because we've all done that, what we sense is that our soul gets sick. It gets weary. It gets ill. It starts to be confused. It doesn't know what it should do. Our will is like, I don't know. And our emotions start to say, yeah, but guess what? You're really angry right now, remember? And your feelings drive your will. And here's the, here's the, the change. Little side note. I don't know. This is not gospel. Okay. How did Judas know that Jesus would be in the garden? Because, you know, there's no cell phones back then. Like, it was difficult to find people. You don't think so? There's a, in the New Testament, Paul literally says in one of, one of his writings, he says, I went to the city and I was looking for Titus. And he said he kept looking for Titus and he couldn't find him. And what did he do? He just left the town because he's like, I can't find this guy. Why? Because it's hard to find people in these ancient times, right? There's no way to know. Judas left dinner because Jesus called him out. And he's like, I'm out. And so how does he know? Here's what I think. Here's what I think. I think that Judas knew where Jesus would be because that's always where Jesus would go at weird times. I think that Judas knew because Scripture says what? Consistently, over time, Jesus got up early at odd hours and would go what? To a solitary place and he would pray. He was consistent. He kept doing that. And over time, he knew that, hey, you're coming at me. Don't you know I need to be about my, my father's business? 
Don't you know that I need to be doing that? Don't you know that the Father and I are one? Where does that come from? It comes from being in the garden. It comes from being with God over time, allowing him to shape our emotions and our will. So what did Jesus do? This is what the 20 days, the dangerous pursuit is all about, is something happened, and as he chose to pray and get with God, his will and emotions began to get right-sided. So the pressure is still there, but there's something, there's a resolve, there's something inside him that is like amazing. And this is what God does for us in prayer, is that he begins to shape our emotions and our will. We process that with him, we're able to see that, that clearly and be able to go, and we're able to make this happen. What is the change? This is when we choose to take those things to God in prayer. And we're able to do that. And here's what Jesus did. He started something that everybody hates to hear, a habit. Because he had a habit of going and praying, he was able to allow the Father to bring him all the way to the cross. If you choose to create a habit over these 20 days, you will begin to process your emotions and you will be able to see your will get shaped by the Father himself. And over time, that prayer time is going to change who you are. We just want to be like Jesus. This is how it happens. It begins in that habit. So over the next few days, uh, next 20 days, you have this opportunity. I already told you, you have an opportunity to set the time and the place where you're going to meet God, where you're going to go to your garden and you're going to spend some time with God. And guess what? If you're looking for me at this time, you know that I'm going to be in this place. And there's a checkbox under it every day that you say that I am going to be here and I'm going to be here at this time. I'm going to be sitting where where Jim Wolf is sitting at 6.30 in the morning this week because that's where I, that's where I sit. That's where I'm at. That's where, I, that's where I spend my time with God, right there. So warm up the seat, Jim. All right? Thank you. But I'm challenging you right now that this is what Jesus did and this is what we're learning from him. The band could come up. Everybody get this all down. This is really complicated stuff, you know. I might need to leave this out for class later. Oh, hey oh. So where are you at in this process? Um, I think for us, the challenge is to, to say, God, um, maybe, maybe I focused on the wrong things in this passage over, over the past few times. I've heard it or read it. Maybe I didn't really see something here before. But today, what we see is Jesus himself processing his emotions and allowing God to shape his will. And really surrendering that. The next few songs that we have, that we, we have, and we do this intentionally to, to allow us to process this um, with God, is to go over these next few songs. Because um, it's a time when the presence of God enters the room. And during this time, you can move up here. You can move to the side. You can kneel. You can stand. You can get free. Whatever you need to do to allow God to just, you and God, to do what you need to do with him. You might sit there and write. You might, you might get away and, and be by yourself. You might ask someone for prayer. I don't know what it is that you need to do, but there's freedom in the house to do it.
You guys are quiet today. Is this hitting like something that I, like we need to talk about? Are you guys following along? Did I confuse you guys? Is it kind of like where we're at? You know, I didn't say this in any other services, so you're welcome. The um, Last year, I kind of felt like um, having, even just having some conversations recently, um, processing last year in like second place and where, where we were and what we've done and what God did. It was kind of like a very introspective year. I don't know if you guys feel that, but it was very much like, like doing some heart work with God. And, and I, I really sense that this year is kind of like, we're kind of flipping a little bit. We're still doing the inside work, but we're also starting to look ahead. We're, we're looking inside, but we're looking ahead. And we're saying, okay, God, where are you leading us? Where are you taking us? We want to go there. We want to pursue you. And so maybe that's the tension in the room right now. I don't know what it is, but, but I think maybe you can put some words to it as you worship God today. Because, man, I, I just know some of us just need a little kick in the pants, right? We just need to be told, like, you can do this. I was talking to some friends after first service today and just being able to, to like, speak life into each other about the fact that this is possible. You can own your faith. You can, you can do the work to just know and build that habit over the next 20 days that's going to launch you into the rest of this year. So the tension in the room is good, in my opinion, because that means that Jesus can do some work in us, right? So why don't we stand? Heavenly Father, God, you are so good to us. And Lord, these songs are no joke. Like these songs are about surrender. These songs are about our heart. These songs are just like tough. And so God, as, as we go into this time, Lord God, we just pray that, that there would be a freedom in the room like never before, that we would be able to resolve, maybe manage some of the tension, some of the things that we need to write down today to kind of just clear the air between us and you. And Lord, we pray, God, that the inspiration that we feel right now, that, Lord, we would take that with, with us, but, Lord, we would allow that to be you. Lord, that, that we would know and be convinced that that's you, that's your spirit in us, that's calling us, that draws us. Your word says that nobody can come to the Father unless he is drawn by you. And, God, we just know that we're being drawn. So, that therefore, God, we want to pursue that. And in, your word says that if, if we seek you, we will find you. If we seek you with all of our heart. And Lord, some of us have divided our heart and we've set it aside and said, we're gonna keep this part for us and we're gonna go and we're gonna pursue you with part of our heart, but not today. Today's a declaration to you, God, where we're gonna say with our entire heart, we're gonna devote it to you and we're gonna pursue you. And we're gonna do it with our friends or our family and we're gonna trust you and we're gonna see you do something. And Lord, we pray for breakthrough right now in Jesus' name. For every person that's listening in this room or online, Lord God, we pray for breakthrough, God. In Jesus' name, that there are gonna be some chains that devil, you have set up shop in our hearts and no longer is that gonna be the case. We are kicking you out right now in Jesus' name. You have no place in our lives anymore. We've been looking the other way and we're not anymore because Jesus has turned that table and throwing you out of our hearts. And Lord, now we wanna get to the garden 
and it's a dangerous spot and we feel the pressure and we feel the opposition and we maybe even feel the betrayer on his way. But Lord, we trust you, we trust you and we give our hearts to you. We surrender to you. May these 20 days change us, change us church and change every family and every person that challenges, that takes that challenge and goes after you. In Jesus' name we pray. When I um, read this story and I, I think about the garden um, and Jesus being there and praying, um, it takes me back to the beginning, to the Garden of Eden. And I was asking the Holy Spirit, like, can you help give me some words for, like, what am I sensing? What am I feeling there? There, And it's like life began in the garden. Jesus formed man and woman, and he was in communion with them. And he was spending time with them. And they were talking and they were walking in the garden. And um, they sinned. And they're made aware of their position and where they are and, and how they look. And they, they, they frantically go and make clothes and they're, you know, they're trying to fix it. And God comes to the garden. They hear him. So maybe not gospel. But that had to be something they recognized. There had to have been established moments with them that when they heard him in the garden, they knew that sound. And God asked them, where are you? Not because he didn't know. He was fully aware. I, I think of it a lot like a parent who, um, when they catch their child doing something, I need you to understand where you are and what you did. I'm fully aware. I know what happened. So God is coming to Adam and Eve and saying, where are you? Who told you you were naked? And all of a sudden, all the excuses, all of the finger pointing, figuring out like why they did what they did starts playing then you jump to Jesus in the garden and there's some redemption that's happening he created them in the garden for communion to do life he didn't not show up in their sin he knew what they did he knew where they were and he still showed up in the garden. He still met them there. They had to try to fix some things in their humanness. They tried to make it all better. And Jesus said, okay, can I tell you where I'm at? Can I tell you what I'm feeling? And God, in his silence, was not saying I'm not here. He was very present with Jesus in the garden. And Jesus knew it. God could not take from him the assignment. He could not remove that or else we wouldn't have this. We wouldn't have communion with God right now. We wouldn't be able to meet with him if Jesus didn't do the assignment. God was not silent in that moment. He was there in the garden redeeming what the devil intended to steal from us which was communion with God, time with him, knowing who he is and being known. Jesus was fully known in that moment. He didn't need to hide his emotion. He didn't need to hide what he was fearing. He could go to the Father and say, it's not about me. 
It's not about my will. It's about your will be done. If this can't pass, then I'm going to do it. I, I want you to know I don't want to. I mean, I'm, I'm singing songs like Refining Fire. I want to be consumed. No, I don't. No, I don't. <laughs> I, I know what that requires of me. It means that I'm going to give up my will. And I'm going to say, what you want for me is good. But it doesn't even end with Jesus in the garden, which is the most amazing part. Get to Revelation and you know there's a new heaven and a new earth and there's going to be a garden that we all are part of. But we're not waiting for death for that. We're a part of bringing heaven to earth right now. We are establishing what he is going to be bringing and doing in fulfillment. He started in the garden. Jesus broke those chains so that we could have communion, so that a new heaven and a new earth can come, and we get to make ready for that. So, Father, as we go into these next 20 days, we, we know that it's beyond that because it's about you shaping our will to be your will. And we know that, Jesus, if we want to be caught like you were caught, then we need to be spending time with you. We know that it's in those moments when we submit ourselves to a specific time in a specific place. You meet us there. You make our hearts in alignment with who you are and what you want. And so it's a trust walk that we do right now to say, not my will, but yours be done. Whatever you walk us through, it will be a refining fire that makes us pure. Not in anything that we can do. We can't sew enough leaves together to cover our shame. But it's in your purifying fire, Jesus, that we can come to the Father freely, openly, without reservation and you meet us and you're preparing this world to know who you are you are a good God you have good gifts for your children and we position ourselves in a place to receive those gifts from you and we ask that you would take these days and that you would do a deep work in us aligning our emotions and our will with yours will Jesus' name. Amen. You can meet us here any day during this week. We're here um, in the morning, so um, we would love to see you guys here. And um, 